The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. This has been a, a crisis that the entire country has been talking about, another one of them. Uh, close to 80% of Canada's deaths from COVID-19 are seniors living in Canada's long-term care homes. Global News teamed up with the Institute for Investigative Journalism's Project Pandemic Consortium to analyze statistics on the infection rates inside these nursing homes, and specifically those numbers here in Alberta. Global Calgary reporter Jill Croto has been working on this. She joins us this afternoon. Hi, Jill. Hello. All right. Let's start with this. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of numbers to to break down, but I guess do you want to start with maybe what some of the things that you found uh, in, in the largest five largest Alberta continuing care outbreaks. Um, sorry, I, I read that wrong. Um, give us an idea of those big outbreaks and 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 the numbers uh that happened in those homes what you found out uh from your study well what was interesting is that about 77 78 percent of the confirmed deaths when we're looking at the entire number of lives lost during this COVID-19 pandemic, 78% of them were seniors. And Mm -hmm. this isn't something that really came as a big surprise because we've been hearing this over and over again. But what we didn't know is that 70 of the homes had at least one case of COVID-19. Now, we had known sort of about these big highlighted outbreaks that were making headlines. In fact, the Alberta health officials, they don't publish, they they don't proactively give you those numbers if an outbreak is less than two cases. So we really had to do some digging with the help of the Institute for Investigative Journalism to really cross-reference of the over 100 long-term care homes in the province to find out and detail the real scope of it, how many of those homes actually reported the case. And a lot of them had, we just never knew about it. Why, Why don't they report those numbers? That's just something that they, I think that they just standardized. They Hmm. maybe perhaps felt that they didn't think that it was necessary to, you know, get down to the minutiae of every single case and every single care home across the province and really only honed in on those ones where those outbreaks were, were quite glaring. Have we learned any more information about maybe what has happened inside some of the homes? I think of the the Mackenzie Town um, uh, facility in Calgary about what happened in those uh, first few weeks um, that that allowed it to um, run through that facility as it did. Well, I think a lot of people are echoing that same sentiment, not just at the Mackenzie Town, where there was 21 people who lost their lives throughout this crisis. They're talking about it was really too late. By the time that they had engaged those pandemic protocols, the infection really had spread like wildfire, and it was already there. So it was really hard to get a handle on it and start to rewind what had already happened. So I think that that was a big lesson that needed to be learned from from a lot of these owners and operators of these long-term care homes. So I know, Jill, you were, you know, crunching all the numbers here. And one of the ones that I that jumped out to me when I was reading this was um, the number of cases among workers. What can you tell us about that? Well, there was 38% of workers inside these facilities were COVID-19 positive. 
And you have to appreciate that a lot of these workers are from a marginalized community. A lot of them are immigrants, and most of them are working at two, three facilities at once. So this was long before people really knew the, I guess, the robustness of of how quickly this COVID-19 virus spread. People didn't know that, you know, when you go from one facility to the next to the next, that they could not be showing symptoms, but they could be COVID positive and then go into those long-term care homes and spread it. Because it's not the seniors who are going around. They're not out in society. I mean, they were isolated. So that was really telling is that I don't think people, I think that people really took for granted that maybe through no fault of their own, but that these workers were the ones who, who brought this virus in to begin with. Jill, I know today it's day one of this series that you've been, that you've been working on. What can we expect to see in, in the days ahead? Well, tonight we're going to hear from seniors. I had some really interesting, candid conversations about what their anxiety level is. They're they're sitting in their living rooms watching the news of what is happening and, and having this crisis unfolding right in front of their eyes. So how are they feeling? And it's pretty compelling what they're saying. They say, they're saying they'd rather die than move into long-term care. So that is how incredible that dread is about going to that next stage of their life that they would rather die than to go into long-term care facility and over the course of sorry Jalen go ahead no go ahead I was just going to say, you know, over the course of this, the more that I've been hearing from the seniors and the families themselves, it's like they feel like now is the time to really capitalize on this. You really got to start to leverage this crisis and start to see, okay, this is a system that has been incredibly under pressure and overstressed, and now the cracks are starting to show. One of the family members told me, I'm okay with the fact that my parents are aging and the fact that their time is probably coming, but I'm okay if they die of a stroke, a heart attack. Hey, I'm even okay if they die of COVID. But what I'm not okay is if they die because of the place that they're living in. Sort of that chronic negligence. Yeah, and Jill, you know, if you could look at my text line, uh, you would hear the same thing every time we bring this up. And if you, you know, if anyone has sat down and read that report that the military did into the, those homes in Ontario and mm-hmm. and in Quebec, I mean, it was absolutely heartbreaking. You were talking with some of the seniors. Did you get a chance to talk with some people who are actually living in some of these homes? What are they saying about their experience over the past few months? And part of the issue is is because of the dynamics of what this pandemic has done, these long-term care homes are completely shut down. So we can't get in to interview yeah. these people sort of on the front lines of this crisis. We've been hearing from their families on the outside, mm. of course. They feel just completely burdened with guilt because their parent is trapped in these long-term care homes. They can't get to them. They can't see them. And they're sort of just sort of, you know, having to stand on the sidewalk and having these window visits, which is not nearly enough. But they are saying, you know, we're exhausted. Mm. This is the problem is, is that by the time you're dealing with the guilt and, you know, the real heartbreak and burden of caring for aging parents and nobody really wants to put them into a long-term care home, sometimes that's just what has to happen. But by the time something happens to them and, and they unfortunately pass away, they are so tapped. They're just so tired. And to take on this monster of a system is almost just too overwhelming. 
Yeah, it's, uh, you know what, Jill, thank you for doing this work and thank you for continuing to shine a spotlight uh, on this topic. I think it's a very, very important one. And certainly as our population ages, it's going to become, you know, it's going to be even more important that things get fixed, that there's change ahead, right? I mean, like, let's be real. Um, you know, I when I was reading some of your reports and you know, people saying, I don't want to go in there. I'd rather, I'd rather die. You know, I'd rather, I've planned, I've planned to, you know, take a pill, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are conversations that that we that we have or that we have to have, and it's important to have about you know with our aging parents. And you're right; those are tough ones, but we need to have them, and we need to keep talking about it. Jill, I look forward to watching your reporting through the rest of the week. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, that's Jill Croto, who's a reporter with Global News Calgary. You can check out her great work uh, on Global News at uh, 6 tonight or online at globalnews.ca. So going in there, breaking down some of those numbers when it comes to COVID in Canada, in long-term care facilities, but also specifically in Alberta. Um yeah, just it was just kind of really interesting. Um, 38% of the confirmed COVID-19 cases were among workers, and again, we had heard about uh, about that, and how, you know, we we've seen how easily that um, it spread, and that if they're going from home to home before the rules were put into place, you can see how things happened. But you also talked about, um, you know, the way that when we've had we've had the conversations on the show about the way that the facilities are set up, the air systems in those facilities. I mean, there were so many things contributing to the spread of, uh, of, uh, of COVID-19 within these long-term care facilities. There's a lot of work ahead on that front uh, as well. And again, you know, it's interesting. All these topics, whether we're talking about uh, changes to policing, changing uh, mindsets, uh, changes in long-term care facilities. I mean, we can talk about it, and you can share your thoughts uh, on this show at any time on the text line, or you can give me a call. Um, but at the end, we need politicians. We need politicians who are willing, as I keep saying, um, you know, uh, to walk the walk. I mean, you just blah, 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 blah. No, let's do something. They have to have the heart. They have to have the nerve. And sometimes they're going to have to maybe do things that um, aren't palatable or maybe might uh, not be to make the tough calls, to have those tough conversations, to say, you know what, we're not going to put up with this BS. We need to make sure that things happen. We need to make sure that things change for the betterment of, of, um, you know, our seniors in this case. We need to make sure that the proper protocols are put in place. We need to make sure that we don't see what we saw over the past three months. Let's make things better. Let's move towards change on this front. And and, and I think it's also really important that we don't wait. You know, you can talk about these studies and, you know, we'll look into it and that sort of stuff, but you know as well as I do how often those studies end up collecting dust on a shelf somewhere. There has to be the will to do something with it. Somebody has to have the, hmm, you know what I'm saying, to actually do it. And I hope for the sake of my parents and your parents and your loved ones, and for the sake of us as we all age, that 
that things get better. I know, again, let's not, we cannot paint everything with the same brush. We know that there are great facilities out there. We know there are people in those facilities that do incredibly tough, hard work. But let's take a look at what's happening. Let's take a look at the issues and let's do something about them. Let's just stop talking. Let's do it in this case.